Today I want to talk to you from the scriptures, Psalm 51, Psalm 51. It's one of my five favorite scriptures in the Bible. It is the Psalm of David. David, a man after God's own heart, a man that was called to an incredible assignment in life, but he struggled. He struggled big time. There were the up days for David and there were the down time for David. And there were things that he had to deal with that maybe many of us have not dealt with. On the other hand, there's some things he dealt with that we have dealt with. But there's nothing like knowing, number one, that you're a born-again, blood-bought child of God, that you are a sinner born that way, but one day Jesus came into your life and you invited him. You, you recognized the fact that you were a sinner. You knew that all your friends were sinners, but you decided to do something about your sin and you confessed it to the Lord. You said, Lord, I'm not going to argue about how I compare to everybody else. I'm going to look at it the way I compare it to you. None are righteous. No, not one. I'm not righteous. I need to be born again. I need you in my life. I'm fixing to face some battles that I can't face by myself. And I want you to come and live in my life. And I'm going to lay my life down for you. And I want you to pick it up and use it for your glory. And those days come. We follow the Lord in believer's baptism. We're baptized to picture the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. We begin to study our Bible. We begin to come to church maybe more regularly. Maybe we make some changes in our friends and, and we begin to associate with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. But regardless of what we do, there's going to be bumps in the road. There are going to be times when we are going to stop and ask ourselves, what in the world is going on in my life? And why is it that I still have to fight the battle against sin and the powers of darkness? Why is it that trials are dark on every hand? And I cannot understand the way, God, you're leading me to the promised land. And so we stop and we look and we reflect back in scriptures and we have all of our favorite Bible characters and, and David, again, he had his good days and he had his bad days. But what I want to try to show you today is how sin affects believers. We cannot answer for the sin of the unbeliever, but the Bible does say that we'll all give an account of ourselves to God. I want to read to you a psalm that was written by David. And, of course, he was a musician. He was a writer. He was incredibly gifted in a lot of different ways. But the time came in his life when he was just bombarded with temptation. And he began to yield to that temptation. And he made tragic mistakes along the way. And maybe you have and I have. But in the midst of all of that, he was aware that there was a God that loved him enough to send his only son to die for him. He was aware that that God was still alive. He was aware that God had all power. 
and that there was nothing too hard for him. That that God could even forgive sin and give a person a new start. In this story, he has had his affair with Bathsheba. Nathan comes to him and he approaches David about his sin. And David has to face it straight on. I have sinned. But I want you to listen to the 51st Psalm, just the first 13 verses. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge, David say, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. In sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now listen as he's crying out to God, purge me with hyssop, and I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. He's come to one of those moments in his life when he says, this guy... I, me, David, he says, I need a cleanup in my life. I need a personal revival in my life. I need to be reminded of what sin has done to me and what God has done for me. Compare the situations, compare the stories, and make adjustments according to God's mercy and God's power to forgive sin and to use sinners to his glory. Some things follow others like night follows day. The Bible says the soul that sinneth it shall die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says sin is costly. The Bible says that you better be careful because the devil's going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And Christians are sinners saved by grace. We were not saved by our good works. We were saved by God's grace. But God saved us with his grace when we confessed the fact that we were sinners, that we were rebels, that we fell for every kind of gimmick Satan had. Sin is not any respecter of persons. You can be born in a Christian family or a non-Christian family. It doesn't matter you're going to be tempted on every side. You are going to face Satan wherever you go and whatever you do. And when Satan gets the opportunity to get in a punch, he's going to do so. When he gets an opportunity to cripple you and to get you to walk with him holding you up, then you're in for some very, very serious trouble. Sufferings, tragedies, Heartaches, disappointments, even death awaits. And as David experienced this, as you have heard me say many times, if you've heard me preach, that all of us 
are capable of any sin known to mankind. And if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we would all be lost. But he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. But when we think that we are so good and so righteous, we can take over our lives and decide what we're going to do with our lives, then we get in the same situation that David got into. And as we exercise our rights, there's a scripture I want you to know and note. The Bible says the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's everybody. A lion is a cat that if he attacks you will not quit until he destroys you. He's not a hit and run. There are other cats that are hit and runs, not a lion. When God illustrates, I should say, the word through something like one of his creatures, he is simply saying to us that the devil plays hardball. The devil, the wages of sin is death. It's not just cripples. It leads to eternal damnation. And when we are prepared, though, and we remember, if we're believers, he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. That no weapon that stands against us will prosper because this is the inheritance of the children of God. Our problem is we don't use our weapon. We don't know how to use the sword. We don't know how to praise God unless somebody's leading us. We don't listen to the scripture unless somebody's teaching it or preaching it rather than just open the word and let the Holy Spirit that wrote this book interpret to you if that Holy Spirit lives in you. This is my message to you for the day or for the week or for this time in your life. In the New Testament, Peter, and he was another character. We don't have time to talk about him. But in the fifth chapter of 1 Peter, verses 6 and 8, listen to this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. See, the answer is there before the attack comes. What we have to make our mind up is we're going to be prepared for the enemy when they comes. What are you likely to be tempted for at this time in your life? Just think about that. Where are my enemies? If you are a 18-year-old, it's one thing. If you're an 80-year-old, it's a different thing. But the devil's still not through with you. The devil's not through with me. Long as I'm alive and he's alive, there's going to be a battle. So we have to stop along the way and quit playing church stuff and get right and get real with God and do what God tells us to do. I'm amazed at how people like to show off their sin. It just amazes me. I was in a restaurant this week. And uh, I know there's two people out here in the same restaurant I was in. And I was sitting not too far from the front door. And I just sat with, with, with amazement. Kathy and I were there. And I was watching these people. They'd come in. First thing they'd do is go to the bar. And they'd get them a beer. Or they'd go over and get them a cocktail. Now, they didn't go drink their beer, drink their cocktail. They started walking around the restaurant holding their beer. 
leaning up, you know, and I'm thinking, I've never seen people do that with Coca-Colas. <laughs> Have you ever been to a party where everybody got their Coca-Cola and just walked around in the party? You know, no, you got to be a tough dude. You got to have you a beer, you know. And then three people went to sit down at a table with 12 people and they all had cocktails and they said, go get you one. So they went and got that before they ever looked at the menu. I'm thinking, good gracious. Boy, the devil gets after you quick. I mean, everywhere you go, the devil's always there, right? I mean, you can, don't they drive right beside you when the freeway's the worst? I mean, it just seems like the devil puts people in the right place to just put you on trial. But see, David is a guy that can help us this morning. Let me hurry on and tell you that the children of God suffer for their sin just like non-believers suffer for their sin. You make it possible and you'll pay the price. You choose to take your relationships lightly you choose to play with sin, and you can rest assured you're going to get burned. And when you get burned, don't get mad at God. God has said, if you are my child and you will let me, I will knock down the enemy. And even the temptation when it comes will just blow off and go another way. But now the point of my message, though, is what does sin do to those of us that are believers. When we choose not to obey God, when we choose to go against God, we make the decision at that time to face the consequences. Number one, from David, sin soils the soul. Sin makes you feel dirty. You damn God's name and you can't help but feel horrible if you're a believer. The one that gave his son for me, and I'm going to damn his name. You see, everything about sin leads us to death, Amen. to disease, to destructions of relationships, and on and on and on and on. For the unbeliever, they have earthly problems. For us, we have heavenly problems. Father, forgive me. I know not what I'm doing. We have to deal with God when we choose to sin if we're his kids. And if we don't, we feel dirty. The word cleansing is used throughout the scripture. Cleanse me, clean me, reprove me, make me right. Grow me in your ways. But we say, no, I'm just going to go on doing what I'm already doing. In that first two verses, here's what he says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, but look at this. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You've been there. I've been there. It's a bad place to be. But sin soils the soul even of a believer. Sin makes a child of God feel dirty. We weep. We don't understand, why did I do that? What was I thinking? You probably weren't thinking. Amen. Let me tell you something else. You can be starched and ironed and not be washed. You know these self-righteous, do-good Christians. You hate them, don't you? Hate to be around them. <laughs> don't hate them, but you hate to be around them. You don't like that, I'm better than you kind of thing. We're not better than anybody. 
We're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, not a work lest any of us could boast. But sin does the same thing to us that it does to the non-believer. That's what I'm trying to say. Sin saturates the mind of the believer. David witnessed this. One of the true marks of God, one of the true marks, are you listening? No believer enjoys sin. If the Bible says it's sin and you enjoy it, even occasionally, but you enjoy it, something's wrong. You lose that when you are born again, old things pass away, and the Scripture in another place says the things we used to love we now hate, and the things we used to hate we now love. That's what a Christian is. But sin tears that apart. It is sin, folks, that nailed Jesus to a cross. Why do we want to fall into that camp? Why do we willingly, knowing it's a sin, but you only go around once in life, so get all the gusto you can? What has happened to us? Well, David dealt with it. David learned by it, and I hope we will. Another thing that he found out was that sin stings the conscience. Whenever, again, you are born again, you have enjoyed your last sin. When we as believers do wrong, you know what we're aware of? That the non-believers are not? God saw me. My friends didn't see my text. They didn't overhear my conversation. They didn't see where I went and what I did. God did. God did. Believers know God does because the Holy Spirit is in us. And so we see that it just tears us up on the inside. David saw that. And then it moved into that sin. It will sadden the heart. Listen to the eighth verse of the 51st Psalm. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken, God, may rejoice. How in the world? Well, in the 12th verse, he said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Twice he says it. I've lost it. Have you ever been around unhappy Christians? Sometimes I need to just put a chair up here and just, just say, if you want to sit in this chair and watch the audience, you'll see some. I mean, right now, they just, they're just kind of simmering. And they're having trouble handling this. God loves you anyway. God's got a sense of humor. But listen to me, my dear friend. Sin saddens the heart of a believer. You're never proud of your sin. You weep over it. You live in anguish. Ask Peter, ask Paul, ask any of your great Bible heroes that once were lost, then they got saved, then they gave their life to the Lord. You watch every single illustration of their life after they became a believer, and it was a terrible, terrible ordeal for them to handle. Why? Because Jesus makes a difference. Because Jesus gives us a new birth. And the Bible says you must be born again. So my question to you is, are you happy today? Are you happy? Are you really, 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 really? I'm so glad I got up this morning and just rejoiced. And I saw the sun. I live in Houston. Sky was blue. It wasn't raining. It wasn't cold. Oh, it was just a wonderful day. Well, I hope so. I hope so, but I know a lot of church people, they mad all the time. 
I mean, if you get a phone call, they're mad. You get an email, they're mad. You get a letter, they're mad. And you know, you want to say, get over it. Get over it. This is the day the Lord has made. We will <laughs> rejoice and be glad in it. Not me. I'm going to get mad. I was born this way. I'm going to die that way. Well, if you meet Jesus along the way, he can change that. And you can literally have a brand new life. But you know what? The only thing that takes joy away from a Christian is S-I-N, sin. Not backsliders. But, and even not sinners. The sin. The sin. The sinner is not the enemy. Sin is the enemy. It is sin that takes away your joy. It's not sinners. It's not those that did you wrong. It's the way you handle the fact that they did you wrong. David went through trials. He went through tribulations. He fought his battle. But he won. He won. Many listen to our broadcast and watch from the penitentiaries. And I just want to say to you that even when a believer is in jail, God is with them. He is there. He is there. And those jails, many stories, many, many, many stories come across our desk of those that are incarcerated have become evangelists like Paul did when he went to jail. Can you imagine being a guard in a jail and being hooked to Paul? You know, you can hang up the phone here, but when you're chained to each other, you got to listen to him. And that's what, whenever you're in the same, you say, well, everybody I work with, everybody I work with, they're not believers, but you are. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, you've got a, you may be the next Billy Graham. I mean, you've got your own congregation. They're just right there. They can't leave till 430. But do you have a smile on your face and a spring in your step? Or are you just mad? You're politicking all the time. You're mad at the weather. You're mad at everything that's going on in America. I'll tell you, you're fighting this fight. Why don't you just stop and tell somebody about Jesus? He is the one that defeats the enemy. It's not us. It's Christ in us that is the hope of glory. When a believer dies, Philippians 1.21 says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In gain. Oh, yes, we weep at funerals. Nothing wrong with that. Jesus wept at Lazarus' grave and knew he was going to come out of it in just a few hours. But he wept because death, physical death, is a temporary separation. But when God is in us, we're able to overcome that which the world cannot overcome. David learned something else, that sin sickens his body, sickens the body. Eighth verse, Psalm 51, make me to hear joy and gladness. Listen, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. David said in poetic language, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And I'm hurting because of my sin. Maybe you feel like that today. Maybe you would look at your life and say, you know, I'm not doing as good as I want people to think I'm doing, and I'm hurting. Could it be like David? Could it be because of sin? Too many people are still sick over past sins. 
You need to take your burden to the Lord and leave it there this morning. That's what the Connection Center's for. Get it right. Don't say, I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to come back next week. I'm going to watch next week. No, get it right. And when you get it right, like David did, and all the other characters in the Bible, when you get it right, then good things begin to happen. Because Christ, once again, begins to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. There are two kinds of wounds that can come to our soul. One is guilt, and the other one is sorrow. Many, many people, after a great sorrow, are still in sorrow. Something happened years ago, months ago, decades ago, and you can't get shed of it. Maybe there was something that happened to you And the guilt is still there. Something that you did or someone did to you years and years ago. And you still can't throw it off. If David were to take just a moment here and leave heaven and come and speak to us to close his service, he would say, take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. He forgives and he forgets. When you were saved, you were born again. When you recommit your life to the Lord, you are doing the same thing. You're moving from having not let him control your life to let him control your life as he once did. In 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from A-L-L, all unrighteousness. Not some, all, all. Another thing that we learn from this story it happened to David. It soured his spirit. It actually, he said, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. We have our problems, and we get a bitter spirit. We pass judgment on someone, and it begins to eat away of us, but we won't get rid of it. We won't shake it off. We won't move on. We won't put it under the blood. We won't put it in the past. We're just going to go on in our misery and our disappointments of what somebody did to us or didn't do for us, and we end up in serious, serious situations. Backslidden people are fault finders. When you become backslid, you're going to find fault in about everything you're around. And that's a result of not being like Jesus. When Jesus found a problem, he tried to solve the problem. He didn't try to make it worse. He didn't try to expand it to someone else. He simply stayed the course. And then the final thing that sin did for David, it sealed his lips. The 14th and 15th verse said, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And then if you will, here's what he said. And my tongue will sing aloud your righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. What a change when somebody met David after that happened in his life. David, I just don't know what got into you. You're a different guy. And it was a positive. It was a compliment. It wasn't trying to knock somebody. It was a pure compliment. And that's what God wants of us. 
When we're going through these times, and if you're here today and you'd say, I am trying to deal with a problem in my life, and it's pulling me down. I'm having to associate with this and do this and do that. God says to us, listen, bring it to me. Give it to me and let me take it off of you. And if you fall, I will pick you up and carry you to do and to be what I want you to be. So as we close the pages of the scripture this morning, I'll leave you three words. Number one is the word confidence. Confidence. David knew, listen, David knew that God's mercy would take care of his sin. He'll do the same thing for you. No, he just can't believe. Yes, he can. I don't believe he will. Yes, he will. You do what he tells you to do, and he will do what he said he would do. Number two is confession. Is confession. Look at the second verse of Psalm 51. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and be clear when you judge. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. End of reading, end of fifth verse. Here's what he said. It's my fault, God, not yours. I made the bad choices. You didn't lead me to those bad choices. I decided I would do it my way. You didn't. I should have done it your way. I didn't. I'm paying the price. You first must have confidence that God can take that burden off of you. Then you got to confess it to him. You don't have to confess it to the preacher. You don't have to confess it to the priest. You don't have to confess it to anybody but him. And he will take care of you. You remember Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the snake. The snake didn't have a leg to stand on. He, he, he was dead. Nowhere to turn. And you may be down that chain for some of your friends. They're dumping on you and you dump it on the next one. And then they dump it on two more and they jump it on four more and then 10 more. And now you got the whole community upset. And you know what the Lord said? Hey, why don't you bring it to me? That's what he says. Bring them to me. I'm in. That's what I do. I sent my son to pay for your sin. You don't need a lawyer for this one. You don't need a preacher for this one. You don't need an accountant for this one. All you need is me. And if you will come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And the last thing, he was very consecrated. He was real. He didn't mess around. He simply said, I am going to do right on purpose. And when that happened, David could say, and he says it in this, in this chapter, you're going to see me and hear me spreading the gospel. Look what he says in verse 13. Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners are going to be converted unto you. Number two, he said, you're going to see me praising. He said in verse 15, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. And then finally, he said, you're going to see me praying.
Verse 18, do good and your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. That's all that he needs to say, and that's all that I need to say, and it's all you need to hear. It's now, what will you do? What will you do? Are you ready to make a change? Are you willing to acknowledge to God, I have sinned, I've come short of your glory? Are you willing right now, in this moment, to say, Lord, have mercy on me? If you've never been saved, ask him to save you. If you have been saved and you're walking in disobedience, would you say, Father, I want to come home. I want you to take up where you left off. When I walked off and I became the prodigal, I want to come home. Would you take it? Would you take my sin and would you wash it? Would you take my life and let it be totally consecrated to thee?